0: Welcome to this episode of We the Voters. As always, we work to lift up the issues and concerns that matter most to all of our voters and all of our listeners. If you would like for us to discuss an issue that is near and dear to your heart, please visit our website at pointcast.news and let us know in the comment section. On today's episode, we're talking with Ruben and Maureen Ayala. Hopefully I pronounced your name correctly or close. (laughs) We're going to be talking about the current state of homelessness in the United States and how they might be uniquely positioned to participate in uh, helping to stem the tide of that. So, Maureen and Ruben, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you all making time for us. Um, Thank you. you. Before we get started, Ruben, I, I read an interesting piece about you, I had the pleasure of reading a little bit about your backstory, but you know, obviously, there's more to it, and and a little bit about the Bruderhof community. Um, what exactly is the Bruderhof community, and how did you all become a part of it?
1: Well, first of all, Francine, thank you so much for inviting us onto this show. Um, we're both really happy to be here. Thank you. Um, so, to your question, yes, the Bruderhof. So, the Bruderhof is a German word uh, meaning place of brothers. And in short, it's our church. So we are Christians. We like to call ourselves followers of Jesus. Um, and we are both full members of this church. And it's more than a conventional church that we go to every Sunday. It's actually a church community. So think of it as um, being with your congregation 24 seven, loving and working together. Um, and both of us have decided to, um, pool our resources with other families to live this way intentionally to try to serve Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, As for me, um, I decided to join in 2019, 2019, um, full members um, take their vows after the age of 21. Um, And this was a process for me, even though I was raised within the community in different locations worldwide. okay. Um, Yeah, so it was a journey for me um, just finding faith for myself uh, mm-hmm. because I believe that God doesn't have grandchildren. So <laughs> that's a really, that's a really short, short answer <laughs> to like a long and big question, but, yeah, hopefully that's helpful.
0: Now you you mentioned being raised in the community, so you probably have a unique perspective that a lot of people don't have. Um, and growing up and then having to deal with probably your peers who were not a part of that community. What was that like for you?
1: sure that's that's a really good question because um i'll start by saying that um the majority of my family um on both sides both uh, my father mother's family are not members of of this intentional community so even my uh fairly direct family and, and extended family um i interacted with a lot as a child um outside you know of the compound as it were or this village of believers and so I wouldn't say that I ever had a problem um, like communicating these differences or the uniqueness of my perspective with people who weren't um from this faith tradition. Um, but it definitely always leads and always has led to really great conversations about why I do live here. Mm-hmm. So that went through my childhood, the different places I lived, the different schools I went to, um, and different, you know, birthday parties I went to were different, just different regular lifestyle. Right. So Definitely.
0: Now, you mentioned something about a vow. What is that like?
1: Yeah, great question. So um, the vows, um, so so I would equate it to like the Catholic Church, where if um, someone who is going to um, be a brother or a sister in the Catholic Church goes through like a time of testing to make sure that they are sincere about their desire to live, um, say, in a convent or uh, in a monastery or something like that. Um, it's very actually very similar with our church where um, you express publicly that you want to live out this faith. Um, and then the vow itself, um, it's a, a series of questions that are asked to you in public that you've obviously already agreed to and spoken about with the other members, maybe in some formal or informal meetings with people. Um, there's no set rules of how this um, time before you actually take the vow um, takes place. It's really different for everyone. My wife and I had very different experiences of how we actually got to the the ceremony of taking the vows, but the vows themselves were the same, um, where we pledged to um, obviously give ourselves to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And one really important point is, and I think the biggest thing probably for a lot of Americans to hear is we also pledge to um, give our money, our resources, 100% of them to our brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and everyone's doing that. So that's, that's a big deal.
0: <laughs> that's a big deal to Americans. And we'll touch on that a little bit later. But before we do, Maureen, let's talk a little bit about your journey into the community, you were brought up, and I guess your Vow experience was different. But tell us a little bit about what led you to the point where you are today.
2: Yeah, so I was actually born in the community myself as well. I've lived in many different locations. The Bruderhof is an international church, so we have communities all over the world. So I, my life started in England, actually, so I guess I'm British. And I'm Nigerian and American and Swiss and a bunch of other things. <laughs> um, so my family is very diverse. Right. Um, so obviously I had all that sort of heritage and background in my life and growing up. Um, I grew up on the community and, but I'm not sure if Ruben mentioned it or not, being here on the community as an adult, deciding to become a member has absolutely nothing to do with growing up here. Um, you can grow up here and maybe you decide you want to go somewhere else Mm -hmm. or you don't feel hundred percent that God is calling you here. Mm -hmm. Um, and people who are here should be here because it's something they feel God has called them to, and they, they want to be here um, to serve other people and to serve God. Mm -hmm. So it's not a birthright thing, just because I grew up in the community or Reuben grew up in the community does not mean that we would stay necessarily. Mm -hmm. It had to be a very personal decision. Mm -hmm. Um, so after high school, I graduated, I actually went to Indianapolis for a year. I lived there. I worked in a daycare, um, with a church that our church has known for years. Mm -hmm. Um, I did that for a year, sort of did my own thing. Um, But then I ended up coming back to the community. Um, I was baptized. And um, then a year or so later, the community asked me if I would be willing to go train as a nurse. Mm -hmm. And I had actually been thinking about that already because my mom is a physician assistant. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with medicine in the house, like my whole life. Um, so I was like, sure, that's great. So I went to school up in Albany, mm-hmm. did the nurse's training. And at that point, you know, I was baptized. So I was like in the community, but I hadn't committed yet to be a member here. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point I realized that it would be very selfish of me to just sort of, you know, thanks for the education and I'm going to go do my own thing. Right, um, right. right. And I, I don't know, I just realized that I had to do something more with my life. And either it was gonna be for myself or it's gonna be for other people. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, I whatever, I'm an RN, I could have done anything I wanted to, really. I could have gone on, gotten a degree, could have gotten a job somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized I guess it would be sort of running away from what I knew was true. And also, I don't know, I seen other churches, other places, I'd been around a lot of people, I had a bunch of great friends and i just realized i guess the value in my church and where i was um so i decided to become a member here to serve um god and my brothers and sisters and in that way also serve other people because um we obviously don't just do this for ourselves it's not like a self-isolating concept it's it's here for anyone really anyone can come and visit come join the community anything And we're also here to share our resources with other people. Gotcha. So that's kind of my story
0: of how we got here. How do you find in your community, how do you deal with that part of us that's human that seeks personal fulfillment, you know, that seeks pride of purpose, pride of not just place, but you want to feel good about doing something or achieving something. And in other spaces in our society, we put that in, to the way we go after careers and things after college and free market economy. And you can show people your big house or your fancy car or your degrees on the wall. And that's how some people do it. And that's how they fulfill that space within them. But in a more organic sense, it's really just about feeling good about who you are and, and, and having some sense of deeper purpose. That's not really connected to anyone. It's just for you. How do you? It serve not only the community's needs, but how do you serve your needs when it comes to personal fulfillment?
1: I can take a swing at that first. I I think that's a great question because it's something I've I've thought and and struggled through. I guess a lot. I think that first of all, like finding personal fulfillment is not a bad thing. I don't think it's something to necessarily fight against i think that um, it's um very similar here um you know living this way even though it's a vastly different lifestyle than you know just regular american suburbia or whatever you want to call it you know the american dream um i i'm a teacher um the example i'll give is i you know i go to the community school that is actually a non-public school that uh, people are bused to who have nothing to do with the church um so it's a school open to the public Uh um i see that job as my way and it's definitely one of one of my ways of fulfilling finding purpose um you know doing my best for something else Um, i do a lot of reading I do more research than I would have to to be, you know, okay at my job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it, and um, I, you know, find fulfillment in in doing a good job at my job, um, even though I'm in this context of a shared life. Um, so I think that it's it's an, an everybody issue, and you just have to maybe the pathway of of finding that is different. And yes, it's not um, it's not maybe as visible because I am living together with many other people. Um, but then, you know, I think to myself, okay, what, why, why should I place so much value on visibility or like fame for lack of a better word, you know, like I can still do good, good work um, that is recognized by the people who it needs to be recognized by, but you know, my face might not be on a billboard and, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. So I think it's a combination of, I guess I'm saying both things. Yes, it's, it's something personal fulfillment is something that we all need to deal with. It's not necessarily bad, but, um, maybe a less visible version of it is, is what I've decided to go with. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Good. good. Um, now You mentioned that there were similarities with the vow piece being similar to how someone might take a vow when they join or become a member of a monastery. But when uh, doing research, um, there were a lot of comparisons to uh, Mennonites, Quakers, Amish, not so much for how one dresses or what have you, but for the context of it being considered a Christian Orthodox community that was voluntarily receiving and accepting people. But obviously there are differences, right? What would, if someone knew of those communities, what would be the difference between say your community and perhaps one of the, like the Quakers or the Amish? Um,
2: I'll try to answer that one, I think. So all of, all of the communities that you mentioned, as well as our community, we have the same faith tradition, like our same roots. So they all come from the Anabaptist tradition, mm-hmm. uh, which started hundreds of years ago in Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, The concept of adult baptism being the main component as compared to infant baptism, which had been the prevailing um, thing done by the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the basis of our church and all these different other churches that you mentioned. Um, I would think that probably the biggest difference in our church as compared to other churches like Amish or Mennonite is probably the amount that we do outside our communities with other people trying, trying to invite them in or going to other functions, um, just you know, generally trying to be a part of the neighborhood where we live, where we find ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that maybe some of the other communities might be a little more insular. Mm-hmm. Um, we, also, we also do try to use technology to our advantage. Um, I think you may do a little more of that than the other communities. Um, obviously, it's something that we don't want to run our lives right. um, in any way to take away like from interpersonal relationships, right. but we do use it, um, you know, phones for work or for whatever, you know,
0: computers, if you need it for work or... Um, so you're not averse to using these as tools for whatever needs to be done? No.
1: Not at all. No. Not at all. And, and to this point, I think another thing that may set us apart um, from these other uh, communities you mentioned. Um, that's just I would say just a a straight up difference is the um, overarching idea that how our communities look and may function in in different differing settings from themselves so let's say the community we live in here in New York versus the community in Germany or Austria or South Korea or Paraguay um, there is not the faith part is the part that's the same what happens on the outside changes and adjusts to the culture it's in and i wouldn't say it's a complete adjustment but i think that is something that i i really celebrate about our community that it is okay and it's encouraged to take what's of value from the setting the culture the place the environment that the community is in and and kind of make it its own thing, and that there's not sort of this um, this idea that they that they all need to be cookie cutter or identical. Mm-hmm,
0: if mm-hmm. that makes sense, it does make sense. It does make sense. Thank you for explaining that. I want to change gears a little bit and talk about um, a, a big issue that's happening right now with people who are homeless, are or people who are in fear of becoming homeless. And I want to read to you all a snippet from MSNBC, from an MSNBC article, and this is what it says. During the pandemic's early days, there was a brief moment when protecting the homeless from the virus was deemed a priority. New York City saw overcrowded shelters as potential hotspots for COVID-19 infections. The solution was to lodge people experiencing homelessness in hotels that sat empty thanks to a decimated tourism industry. Now places like Los Angeles County officials say that their project, Project Room Key, is set to end in September, citing budgetary concerns. And New York City has likewise begun to shut down its hotel lodging, lodging program and has already begun shipping people back to shelters. Now opponents of the relocation plan say that residents should be able to stay at hotels until they find permanent housing. So just sharing that quote with you all I'm sure you can sense like the conflict that people may have because in that group of people are also included families and children you know and you mentioned being a a teacher Reuben. Ruben so I want to kind of tie that in here in a second but in a in a very basic or general way, how has your community engaged in issues like homelessness?
1: Sure, so I guess I'll go first, because the first thing that pops in my mind is at the beginning of the pandemic, I was teaching in the public, sy- uh, public school system of New York City. I was teaching high school in Harlem um, and taught some homeless students, you know, this is not something as a teacher I learned on the first day of the job, but through conversation and through the, you know, befriending my students. Um, obviously, information travels, and um, so this is absolutely something that is personally close to my heart. And yes, I think that in thinking about this issue in context of our church and and what our church does, it's a very good question. Um, I would start by saying that. Because all our resources are pooled, this um, gives opportunity for our church to, on a fairly regular basis, help uh, monetarily with um, helping people in our localities, wherever that might be, um, maybe run a food pantry, um, do some things to uh, house some people. Um, This is something that goes on often what does not happen often happen often um, that i haven't seen yet which is something i think would be worthy of, of thought and possibly action is um, actually seeing how we could um, more actively i guess go out and and meet some of these people face to face and tell them about you know this lifestyle that i've chosen that we've chosen to live and how it may be a very um, valid way of answering their issues. Um, why do I say this? Because I I believe that a big reason why we have homelessness in America is just because of the way our um, free market capitalist system is set up. Um, once you're down, it's hard to get back up because it um, it's our our economy is run off competition. Um, it's also that's also human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, If there's winners, there tends to be losers as well. And even though I live in this community, I still understand, um, even though I share everything I earn, I still understand that I'm definitely in like the winner seat. Financially, I am comfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's something to take note of. And I think it's something that as a a believer in Christ, I need to be serious about doing something about and, and lend not just a helping hand but being willing to walk through life with these people and i think that is something that our church's entire uh philosophy or mindset does actually answer if if i as a as a member take that seriously that look this is a place that can answer everybody's needs financial emotional spiritual whatever it is as long as it's open as long as the doors are open so i don't know if that really answers your question but that's just the first thoughts that come to my mind
0: well we're gonna think out loud together and see how we can get there but and and you hit on and i'm just curious have you you mentioned the student but have you had a close relationship with someone either one of you can answer this a close relationship with someone who has had to deal with what homelessness is and and have you ever traveled that journey with them as they tried to figure it out and what was if so what was that
1: like well, the first person that comes to mind is my father. <laughs> my father was a Puerto Rican. I'll, I'll call him a Puerto Rican immigrant because he immigrated here in the in the '60s as a child, mm-hmm. when Puerto Ricans were viewed and still sometimes are as non-American, un-American. Mm-hmm. Um, my father was uh, kicked out of his house at 13 um, and was homeless for a little over a year. So the Biggest insights into the issue of homelessness I have are from my my own dad. So, um, talking to him about living under the Brooklyn Bridge, um, talking to him about navigating gang violence, the public school system as a fourteen year old with no nothing and no one and nowhere to go, literally a cardboard wow. box. Wow. Um, him taking me to the crack houses um, that he he slept in. And mm-hmm. saw everything and, and try to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess those are those are my my insights into it from a pretty personal place, um, seeing how that affected my dad emotionally long term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How he would have reactions to the amount of, of stuff people had around him, even as a 50, whatever year old man, still certain things would would be triggers for him. Mm-hmm. Um And then just growing up um, with someone who had that survivor's mentality Mm -hmm. of never taking anything for granted and and also responding differently than the, or I noticed responding differently than the majority of other people around me responded to different situations, sometimes in a positive way, sometimes negatively. And I'm sure you understand what I'm trying to say, but how this profoundly impacted his life. Um, and, and,
0: and impacted the way that you saw the world, perhaps because you—he's your father, right? Correct. And we we love our parents, so that has to have some sort of residual impact on how you see the issue or issues. For sure. uh, yeah, yeah, that is pretty personal. Well, well, people are homeless for a host of of different reasons, and so it's difficult to imagine one community such as your own being able to address all of those reasons. Um, without having to think it through or plan it through um especially when it comes to uh, and you hit on this point when it comes to addiction or mental illness um, how is this something that your community has had to address in the past and if so how have they or how are you all addressing it Uh, i think it's definitely a
2: work in progress Um, we have definitely had to deal with addiction and mental illness and we still do in our community Um, and we're still learning how to deal with those issues as they come up and with people um, who need more care um, because they do and they we love them we love them just like anyone else Um, but obviously being addicted to some substance or having mental illness is it's an added burden on life and on just you know daily functional life and work and jobs and family and Mm -hmm. work play everything um so yeah I think we've definitely had um so people come into our community um through like Ruben's dad through a program in New York City where that deals specifically with people with addictions homelessness um it's called the Bowery Mission I'm not sure if you've heard of it before
0: no I haven't heard of it could you tell me a little bit about that mission just very briefly?
2: Yeah, so it's been open for over a hundred years. Um, it's on in Manhattan, the Lower East Side, yep. correct? Um, and they have served anyone who walks through their doors. It is a Christian organization. So they have a chapel and they run a chapel, I think three times a day, and then they will serve a meal. So breakfast, lunch, dinner. Um, and just for years and years, they've been serving just anyone anyone who comes in there. I actually had the privilege in high school of going down there with our class to the city for a day. And we went and served lunch at the Bowery. And it was just, it was really cool because you, I mean, there's always people who have nothing and they come and you can at least give them some hot food and wish them a good day. Um, So we've had a long history at our community of contact with that organization and the work that they do as well as in other cities like in Albany where I was going to school I think it's actually a sister program to the Bowery Mission, another mission up there. And some of our girls um, helped with um, a night shelter in winter when it was so cold that they were taking people off the streets. Because it was too cold, the police would round them up and bring them to the shelter. And some of our girls were like helping to staff it Mm -hmm. um, overnight. So we've definitely um, done different things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think also just dealing with it within our communities um people with mental illness or addiction it is a real thing and i would not say that we're perfect at it we're still learning Mm -hmm. Um, even within my own family we have struggled with it so
0: how have you addressed that in your family because a lot of families are dealing with it this is the good news is is that we're talking about it in such a way that you've taken at least a little bit of the shame off the top Right. Because this used to be something that used to have so much taboo attached to it, especially in in communities of color. It's been a real challenge just to say the words. Yes. So how has your and either again, either one of you can address this, how have you personally tried to, you know, come to terms with mental illness in your family?
2: So I think for me, it's been just like accepting this family member for who they are and realizing, yes, this is a problem they have Mm -hmm. and being okay with it and and not being ashamed of it. And just and loving them with all their whatever their baggage that they have Mm -hmm. um, and realizing what what things have not been easy for them and what what has been hard. Mm -hmm. And for this family member, also for them to be able to say those things to our family Mm -hmm. and to be able to share like what has been hard for many years, like what they've been struggling with. And I think just to talk about it is is like a huge starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously in a communal setting for other people to understand um, the trauma or the, the pain that they deal with on a daily basis mm-hmm. and to be able to deal with that in a positive way and to be able to support them. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it starts with just plain old talking about it yeah. and just be open
0: yeah. I think this is what it is, right, right.
2: Yeah, at least great. for
0: my family. Right, well, it's good you can talk about it. Uh, this is my last question for you all regarding this particular issue, and um, feel free to take it wherever you need to. Uh, as far as the homelessness issue, since this is such a, this is one of the first times that we all know about homelessness, but it became a priority <clears throat> where we had, people on purpose putting money behind earnestly getting people off the street getting them housed uh connecting them with programs that serviced uh, various needs that they had within their families and now a lot of that is just going to go away and it's unfortunately probably going to creep back into the shadows of our society without attention or regard you feel badly for people but it's easy to ignore people that we don't talk about like we talked about mental illness we we really don't put it on the table and talk about how people got there I can't imagine any little child in any little classroom in any place in any place in the world who dreams that someday they'll grow up and be homeless you know so there are some issues that got them there in closing do you think that your community can grow to the capacity of being able to be an active player
1: in helping to reduce homelessness
0: in our society?
1: I would say yes. Um, and this feeds right into what I was thinking about when uh, Maureen was talking about the Bowery Mission. Um, so my dad was had graduated the program, um, had been homeless. He was working um, on the management team by the point that my mother's brother ended up coming there um, to serve basically in the same capacity that Maureen had mentioned that she did serving a meal to the people. What happened in that instance was that my dad and and my uncle got talking um, and they talked just about all night. So he stayed overnight, my uncle, and he shared with my dad about his life and about this community where he lived at that answered the very problems that my dad was trying to fix on the ground in the Lower East Side of Manhattan and constantly running into these same issues. Like you're saying, where for a certain amount of time, someone would pay attention, a politician would pay attention, try to do something. But then it was always <laughs> coming back around to America as it is. Um, America and America where these things kind of fade into the background people fade into the background if they don't have money to put it very plainly right. and my dad it was a completely foreign concept hearing about this community to him but he said you know what i'll give it a, i'll give it a try I'll, I'll come up and see what you guys are about he ended up joining a few years later and giving his life um to this calling as as, as he called it or his decision to not just have faith but try to commit himself to looking out as much as he could for people's actual physical, tangible needs and issues. And so um, I would say that um, the answer is actually like sitting in front of us. Um, It's when we as people can band together and it doesn't have to be in a Bruderhof community per se, but this, this active idea and direct um, if the idea spreads that this like actually taking care of other people mm-hmm. is not just okay but is something that we need to be doing to make our society way better than it is mm-hmm. then change can start to happen and yes i think our our church and our, our community definitely should be vocal and active um in stay, saying that making that a real thing um so it's um something that, I definitely think is, is totally doable. It's not going to be over in my lifetime. It's not going to, it's not like, you know, homelessness will disappear Mm -hmm. all of a sudden. But I do think that if it's, if it's going, if we're going to start actually doing something about it, I do think that some of the very base premises of our American society are going to have to shift. I'm afraid that that's a big reason why I live here Mm -hmm. is because I just don't think that changing a few laws here and there or putting in some more funding is going to fundamentally change these issues permanently i I really don't but i do think that there is an answer Mm -hmm. so i don't have all the answers but i i feel like (laughs) i don't living this way of life is is closer and but but like you're saying it takes doing actually doing something not just talking about it and for me not just being comfortable like oh i found the answer myself you know anyone can no it's it's about walking through life with people
0: Well, we're going to have to let that be the last word. I want to thank you both for spending time to talk about this topic. And, you know, we really haven't exhausted it. There's just so, so, so much that we could talk about. Um, So hopefully we can, this can lead to a future conversation. So thank you again. I really appreciate you, Maureen and you, Ruben, and your time. Thank you. For those of you who want to join in the discussion, reach out to us on our website at pointcast.news. Thank you again, our guests. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Eliak Productions and Greater Domain Realty Group for their continued support support and to all of our listeners please keep the conversation going that's it good people have a good one and be sure to join us next time